Ya está aquí la próxima generación de tecnología Wi-Fi y es solo de Xfinity. Da superpoder a tu hogar con Wi-Fi supersónico. Conecta cientos de equipos al mismo tiempo y experimenta tres veces el ancho de banda para conexiones más confiables. Con Advanced Security que bloquea miles de millones de amenazas dentro y ahora también fuera de casa. Es Wi-Fi de próxima generación que cambia las reglas del juego. Solo de Xfinity. Para más información, visita es.xfinity.com diagonal supersonic. Se aplican restricciones. Las velocidades reales varían y no están garantizadas. Virginia is for eaters and drinkers. All kinds of eaters and drinkers. For oyster shuckers and slurpers. Winery samplers are all-day wine drinkers. Brewery hoppers and distillery sippers. For those who order grits and those who order cheese grits. We all know what the right way to order is. For barbecue triers who turn into finger lickers and meat off the bone suckers. Mm. All right, all this talk of food is making me hungry. I gotta go get some mac and cheese. Like I was saying, Virginia is for all sorts of food lovers. So come love it for yourself. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. following program is intended for immature audiences only. Don't think, just listen. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Good day, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV Channel 77. Well, right now, tonight, we have on the phone line with us, we have, and I'm going to screw it up, even though I asked her to help me pronounce it, it's April Brooker, I believe, and she is a comedian and ventriloquist. So let's say hi to April. April, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, and you you got my name right. Okay. So, I mean, as long as... That, as, long as, as long as you don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> as long... I mean, that's half the battle, just getting your name right. Yeah, you know, it's like just, you know, getting my name right, and that's how I tell when people really care. Do they get my name right? You really care, Bill. You passed the test. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, the one question we ha- all have, and this is my first one I'm going to ask you, is John Quinones... A nice guy. Very. Um, very nice guy. And he's actually been, believe it or not, I'm all, I was amazed by his experience. You know that he covered the Ted Bundy execution. Yes, I did know that. Yeah, I didn't know that until I saw the, the Netflix uh, special and I was like, oh my God, he's so awesome, what would you do? I know him. <laughs> Well, everybody on the phone line, we have April Bruckner on the phone with us right now. And, I, and the reason I asked who jo- how John Quinones was is she was on the TV program, What Would You Do? And she is from Bethel Park High School. She was just inducted in the High School Hall of Fame. And you are a graduate of 2003, if I'm correct. 
Yes, 2003, yep. So, and uh, as we were talking before we went on the air, you said as, basically as soon as you graduated from high school, you got the first bus out of town, you made it to New York, right? Well, I, I went to, yeah, basically. I got into NYU. I always wanted to go to New York. And I remember being a kid back in Bethel Park, and I told my mom, I said, I want to act, I want to write. And she looked at me, and she goes, sweetheart, that means you've got to go to New York. And I have to give my mom a lot of credit. She didn't tell me that it was a foolish idea. Right. She told me, April, you have to go to New York. And then she looked at me and said, by the way, you know this is a foolish idea. So she waited to do that. <laughs> so I I, I want to ask you the big question, though, because I guess is is comedy your main part of your act or is ventriloquism the main part of your act? Or a little bit of both? But it's a little bit of both because... I always say that, you know, the greatest stories come from real life. And I love making up characters. And so um, this is a way to combine both of them. And you've been on a handful of TV programs. You were on, um, let's see, The Layover with Anthony Bourdain, ABC's What Would You Do? And you were also on My Strange Addiction. Explain to us why you're on My Strange Addiction on TLC. Okay. Um, once, upon, once upon a time, I was engaged to somebody. And, you know, sometimes it, you know, sometimes you, love doesn't work out for whatever reason, right? Right. And so love, love didn't work out because he wanted me to give up my puppets. And my puppet collection was growing. Okay. And I really was. I was really passionate about the ventriloquism, and he said, you know what, it's me or the puppets. He sat me down one day, and I chose him initially, because I thought, you know, I want to get married, and maybe this whole performing thing is just a, it's a work, right? So, I put the puppets away for several months, and I was unhappy. And then, you know, the relationship had other problems. So finally, one day, I'm like, I miss my puppets. So I dumped him for my puppet, and I was street performing in Brooklyn, and I remember telling people the story, and they got a kick out of it. And the next thing I know, I had a reality TV producer calling me, asking me if it's true, and I said, yes. I dumped my ex for my puppets. And she asked me how many I had and asked me if I wanted to be on the show, and that's how that started. So, um, would you like to talk to some of them? They're here. They want to say hi to you. Well, I would love to talk to a few of them. Really? Who do you want to talk to? Uh, you pick for me because there's two I want to talk to, and I want to. Whenever I talk to to the president, uh, I want to. I want to do that at the end of the conversation tonight. Okay, cool. Because the president's not ready. Okay. The thing with Mr. Trump is that he's. You know, he's, 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 he's putting out some fires that he caused earlier today. <laughs> I mean, I know he's jet-lagged from coming back from Vietnam. I understand that. Yeah, you know, he's, he's jet-lagged from coming back from Vietnam, but also I had to take his, I had to take his iPhone away. It's been a day with him. <laughs> but I'll, I'll put Mae Wilson on. Please put Mae on. Right. And she was the one that was on with you on What Would You Do, correct? Correct. Like, oh my god, I'm on I'm on the radio. What's up? <laughs> so May, how are you doing this evening? Oh my god, not so good, Bill. Okay, well, because like you wanna know why I'm not doing good? Why aren't you doing good? 
because my sugar daddy didn't put me in his will. Uh, and he recently passed away? Yeah, okay, like, I was going to the nursing home, visiting him, not out of the goodness of my heart, okay? Because I said, you know, there's no romance without finance, all right? Okay. Because I'm on the Anna Nicole Smith retirement plan. Okay, I gotcha. So, I, like, totally went to the nursing home, and he promised to take care of me. And I showed him my rose bushes, right? Because that's, like, what worked for Anna Nicole. Right. And he didn't have any billions, all right? Like, he tricked me. I'm so mad right now, Bill. I can understand why. Yeah, like, what should I do? I, like, I, are you rich, Bill? I mean, uh, no, I'm not. I wish I was. I work multiple jobs. You know I, I don't know why I'm talking to you, Bill. Like, <laughs> people told me that you had, like, this radio show, and you were, like, totally wealthy. No, I have a radio show, but I, unfortunately, I'm not totally wealthy. I apologize for that. You know what? This conversation's so over. Nate, stop well, being so shallow. <laughs> Bill's putting us on his show. You should be nice. You know what? Like, all I want to do is be on TV, okay? Like, you know, if this was a TV show, I'd show you my... Mate, mate, it's not a TV show. It's the radio. And if you did that, they would have fines up the wazoo. Exactly right. And I'm afraid of what May would do that would get me in trouble. Yeah, yeah, mate. He'd like to keep his radio show. Yes, okay? yes, I would. You know what? Like, everybody's like, oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like Lady Gaga this, Lady Gaga that. Well, guess what? Lady Gaga doesn't have my plastic surgeon, okay? None of them have my plastic surgeon because this stuff, it doesn't sag. Mate, you're also made out of fabric. Fabric and foam, probably. Yeah, fabric and foam. But, Bill, if you get some money, I'm always available for no strings attached. Get out of here, mate! You're scaring the poor man. You, you're scare. You are. You're day. scaring me. And, and 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 my wife. My wife doesn't need the competition. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate. He would like to stay married. Married, mate. You know, some people have values in this world. You know what? I believe in mahogany. What are you talking about? You know, actually, no, I don't believe in mahogany. Um, I believe, you know, mahogany doesn't work. Are you talking about the wood, mate? No, two people being faithful to each other. Mate, that's monogamy. Now get out of here. So, April, question for you. Where do you come up with these characters at? Well, some of them are based off of people that I know. Okay. And May initially is actually based off of two people. The first is a girl that made my life a living hell in junior high. Back in and Bethel Park, right? Yes, and okay. she was the prototyp, and she was the prototypical mean girl. Oh, okay. Like Queen Bee kind of mean girl. Gotcha. And I was not very good looking in junior high school. As a matter of fact, I had braces, I had cystic acne, I was overweight, and this girl had it going on with the guys, and so she was a mean girl. Right. And um, and then life was mean to her later on, but oh. um, because studying so <laughs> um actually it's getting a little better for her we were kids but she's sort of a character but the second one that may's based off of the second person is a girl that was a friend of mine that i still love um have you ever met somebody that was like a bubbly blonde whose only ambition in life was to marry a rich doctor and drive a red convertible yes that was this particular friend okay and she was a true 
and she was a cheerleader and she was popular and in some ways like she could have been a mean girl but she wasn't because she was just cool and she was friends with everybody and I'm going to say her name because she's awesome her name is Erin Kelly and our little group was the Eras and it was Era 1, Era 2, Era 3, Era 4 and pretty soon there were like 50 of us (laughs) just because she just included everybody Right. but her dreams were to marry a rich doctor and to drive a red convertible and did she make the, did she live the dream? She was engaged to one doctor. Well, she was engaged. I'm not sure what happened, but she drove the red convertible, so she she's almost there. She's almost there. That's right. So, how many other characters do you actually um, work with? I have twenty two. Twenty. How do you keep them all straight? Well, I figure you know I I refer to them as my children. Okay. And as a parent, you know, do you have kids? Yes, I have three. You have three. You know how some, well, somehow, you know how you keep them all straight? Well, the older I get, the harder it is, to be honest with you, because when I yell for one, I yell for all three. (laughs) My mom always used to call me by my sister's name, so she used to call my sister by my name, and and that's how you know she just. She's the, she she has teenagers in the house. Right. She, just gave, she just gave up. Yeah. So so with all these characters, um, you have two. You 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 do uh, you have two in the show. One is May, and one is Donald Trump. Are you doing shows with any other ones, or are these just the two you're focusing on right now? Well, I actually have a full length show about the election called The Lady and President Trump. Where okay. I have several. Oh, okay. I didn't realize I have- that. Oh, yeah, I have Donald J. Tramp. I have um, Mae Wilson plays Kellyanne one way. <laughs> I have Vice President Mike Dispense. Okay. I have um, I have the Trump supporters. I have I have protesters. And I also have um Stormy Dandelions. I, I have everybody. Oh, really? Yes, I have Melanoma Tramp, the oh, wife. Okay, oh, I got you there. Okay, I had to think about that one for a second. So, these characters that you make up, do you make the characters up first, or do you make the puppet up first? Well, sometimes I see a puppet, and I'm like, you know, this would be a great character. Like, right now, I have one that I've started working with, and I spend quite a lot of time in Las Vegas, and one thing Las Vegas is known for, it's known for two things. The first is magic, and the second is its founding fathers, a.k.a. the mob. Right. Back back in the day, Vegas was mobbed up. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted a character just like, and so I decided to put those two things together. And I have this magician. But he's not really a magician. He's a former mobster in witness protection. <laughs> Is he any good? He's getting better. Okay. He enjoys it, but he's terrible at magic. Yo, are you saying I'm terrible at magic? <laughs> so, so, so. Vinny, Vinny, Vin, Vinny, we didn't ask for you. Yo, but I'm talking. Shut up, toots. So, so, Vinny, so, Vinny, how long have you been doing magic? Yo, before I ask you, is this phone tapped? Uh, no, it's not. But the call is being recorded. What? The call's being recorded? This is how it got, this is how it got 
jammed up with Rico. <laughs> you know, but how long have I been doing magic? Yes. I, I, I invoke my Fifth Amendment right under the Constitution of the United States, not the answer at this time. Okay. Now, if how long have you been in Vegas then? I invoke my right under the Fifth <laughs> Amendment of the United States Constitution, not the answer. So, if you were in Vegas doing magic, did you know Frank Sinatra? Did I know Frank Sinatra? Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Were you part of the Rat Pack? Yo, I was the Rat Pack, okay? <laughs> you know, I did a little job for the Rat Pack. He had a job for the Rat Pack there. And even then, they were saying that I was a magician. Because I'm an Italian, and you know, we always making people disappear. Disappear, I got you, yeah. What, yeah is your, you know, what is your favorite way of making a person disappear? I invoke my Fifth Amendment <laughs> right under the United States Constitution, not cancer. Are you planning on running but for president? Some, <laughs> yes, but I've done some shows, you know. I, I've done my show, um, my show so good that, you know, because I'm a New Yorker and I hustle. Right, right. That that I've done it in eight continents, Vinny. There are only seven continents. See, this is this is what I have to work with. So that's why I'm in continent. Vinny, <laughs> <laughs> so, tell him about your long-standing gig. Yeah, I had a long-standing gig. Right, you know, five years upstate, but I got out on good behavior. And, and, and how did you get out on good behavior? Well, I made those charges disappear. Ah, I gotcha. Okay. That makes a lot of sense, Vinny. I appreciate it. But he is getting better. He mastered a mind reading trick. Okay. That's not a trick, okay? My Gumata and Benson her. She was a trick. And she ratted me out to the fed. <laughs> I thought that was your wife, Vinny. Well, it was the both of them, okay? They started to work together. Ah. Uh, so how do you keep... Oh, I'm, gotta, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is how, I, I don't know how I keep it. I don't know how I keep it together either, Bill. <laughs> I mean, because honestly, you're, it seems to me like you're able to go in and out without even any comment whatsoever. Because um, in, in your show... Um, how many how many different voices do you do? In Lady and President Tramp, I do at least fifteen. Oh wow! And how long is the show? An hour. You have to be exhausted when you're done. Oh, always. I'm always exhausted, but I'm always exhilarated okay. um, because I will say this: I I love every audience I perform for. And I've had people of all political persuasions come to the show. And my thing is, is that I make fun of everybody. It's comedy. Right. Yeah. Like, like you know, for instance, you know, like, I make fun of the supporters and I make fun of the people protesting against him. Mm-hmm. Because some, some, because I was actually mm-hmm. part of Stand Together Against Trump. Um, I took... I was a part of that march. Oh, I did see um, that, yes. Yes, and um, I will say this. I met a lot of people on the anti-Trump side that just that also had 
um, shoot the president potential, just like some of the people on the pro-Trump side. I've met wackos on both ends of the spectrum. I'm sure you have. Yes, it's like, okay, it's like, you can see them watching Lee Harvey Oswald's home video, like his, his autobiography. <laughs> so where do you get your puppets at? Do you make them yourself? Do you have someone make them for you? Um, a combination of the three. I have, I got, May Wilson was made by a woman by the name of Mary Ann Taylor who makes puppets for Jeff Dunham. Okay. Um, the, uh, the magician I got online, most of these guys I get online, Donald J. Tramp was made by a woman, um, in Scotland, pictures to puppets. Okay. Where you send in your picture, say you wanted a billion, say you wanted a bill puppet, right? Okay. You know, you wanted to mess with your wife and kids. <laughs> <laughs> you send, you email her a picture and in 14 days, um, she sends you a, a puppet of yourself. Okay. So, what do you what do you spend on average on a puppet? What do I spend on average? Oh, well, that's a good question. You know, because as you know, kids are expensive. Um, yeah. I spend anywhere from fifty if I get it at a little costume store. Okay. To almost a thousand. Okay. And it doesn't end there because. It's the upkeep. Oh, okay. Um, for instance, right now, Hillary Clifton is losing her weave. She's got to get a new weave in a few days. And how do you weave... How do you give a puppet a new weave? I go and I and I go to wig stores and I don't stop until I see what I want. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't realize that. I thought it would have to be something custom-made for her. And sometimes it is custom-made. And it depends on the puppet. Okay. But their hair wears out, their nails wear out, their clothes wear out. You know, it's like, thank God they're not human children. Otherwise, they would grow, and that would be real. (laughs) (laughs) So, on average, how long, say you have a puppet made today and you use it on a regular basis, how long does it take for you to have to start real upkeep on it, like replacing the hair, replacing the clothes, and stuff like that? Within, Within a few months, because... Like, as I said on TLC, and I meant it, we're a family where we work. Everybody works in this house. Right. And um, because there there was a number thrown out there. Is it $40,000 that you spend on upkeep a year? Yep, at least. Wow. That means you're going to have to be doing a lot of work just to keep keep, keep your meal tickets going. Oh yeah, and I but I enjoy I enjoy working. So That's good. it's one of these things where when I'm not working I feel I feel yucky. I don't understand how people can be slackers and not work because right. I don't feel productive. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't even if I'm doing something crazy for a few extra bucks and when I say crazy I mean legal, I always have to be working. It's just I gotcha. part of my personality. It's the yinzer in me, you know? It's, I was just going to say, it's the yinzer in you. So, did I see you're also, you also do singing telegrams? Yep. And there was a piece that was on CBS this morning. Were you, do you work with that company they were talking to? Yes, I do. I'll um, be darned. I, I was working with... I was working with them tonight before I called you. Because <laughs> I was I was watching that and I saw the piece that you met that was referenced on uh, that you had referenced online. I'm going. I don't remember seeing her in the piece. So you must have been on the editing room floor then. 
No, 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 no. I, I was in the piece. I, I oh, you were? The... Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and watch it again because I must have missed you. Cause I yeah, saw... as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm the one that says, uh, I'm the one that says, this is what I said. I said, well, you know, he said, is it over after Valentine's Day? And I said, no, there's a grand for every occasion. I got you. I'm not, you know what? I'm going to have to watch it again. I, I, I just slipped right past it because I actually watched it when it aired on Sunday morning. And I, I, I cause to me, I, I love the idea of the singing telegram and the history behind the singing telegram, which the reason the, the singing telegram became popular is because the telephone was invented and Western mm-hmm. union needed to find something to make it a little bit different. And the whole singing telegram was, uh, was born. And uh, again, I think it's a it's a it's a comical idea to be able to do that. How many singing telegrams do you do on a on a, say in a week? Well, I do anywhere from one to five a day. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and I always say that I'm grateful for the telegram job because it helps support me and my family, literally. <laughs> so when you do that, when a uh, when you do the singing telegram gig. Do you do it just you, or do you do it with one of the puppets? I do it most of the time. It's just me. Okay. But I, I've brought my puppets. I've done it with the puppets when they've requested. Okay. And then I also do it with the other performers I work with, who they're all amazing. So when you got into this business, why ventriloquism? Why ventriloquism? Yeah. Because that's not like one uh, of those skills that you like you pick up, say, in a high school musical program or in the drama department or something like that. Well, that's actually another crazy story. Um, I I was raised by teachers. Um, oh, okay. You know, and the rule in my house was, if you live here, you're a thinker, which okay. didn't work out so well for me. Um, so, anyway... <laughs> Um, we didn't have cable. Okay. So we finally got cable because my brother played high school football, which you're from Western PA. You know, we love our football. Yes. So anyway, I was, um, so we finally got cable and because my dad wanted to watch the high school games and that was another fight with the cable company because he only wanted one channel and you have to get 50. Right. So my dad, we were watching, um, the games after the commercial, like, uh, sorry, we're watching the games, and my dad hates commercials. Okay. So he was flipping through our cable, and all of a sudden, there was a special about ventriloquism, and it was an Edgar Bergen special, which I didn't know at the time that Candace Bergen's father was a professional ventriloquist. Right. Uh, and so, I'm, I'm this little 13-year-old in Pittsburgh watching this, and everybody in my family tried to talk like the ventriloquist and I was the only one that could do it because they have my great grandmother's uh, sideways smile and my great grandmother lived in the keyboard actually. Okay. Irish woman. And my mother got me a Groucho Marx figure that Christmas. And from there on it became history. Yes. So when did you start performing then? I started performing when I was 13. Okay. And and where would you do that at? I actually did that at local nursing homes, believe it or not. And some of the patients at the nursing homes 
they actually thought that my puppets were real. Ooh. Some of the dementia folks. Yeah. Yeah, and they were like, rescue us, rescue us, Groucho Marx. I've always loved you. Get me out of here. <laughs> um, do you, with, with, with ventriloquism, and I understand in Vegas and stuff like that, is ventriloquism becoming more popular again like it was with Sherry Lewis and Edgar Bergen and uh, what Jerry Mahoney and the, and the people like that in the 60s and 70s and even going back for, further in the 40s. But is it becoming popular again with Jeff Dunham and yourself and some other people? I don't think it was ever unpopular. Every generation has their events. Um, and our generation events is obviously different than their generation of ventriloquists, but okay. um, we do. But we've all done our part to keep the art form alive. And so, um, I think that. But I think the art form isn't just becoming more popular. But I think because of social media, it's gaining a whole new life. Which makes sense. I never thought of it that way because I guess recently on it was that America's Got Talent, a young lady finished second. Um, on the program. Oh yeah, Darcy. Yeah, Darcy Farmer. Yep. She is. She is very good. I was very impressed. Um, with what I saw. Um, but but again, that's the whole idea of being able to do this, and keeping the audience transfixed on that puppet. Do you have people in your audience heckling the puppet? Yes, I've had people <laughs> heckle the puppet. I had one woman come up and try, to, and try to strangle the puppet. <laughs> she tried to strangle Mae Wilson. Um, I had a, we got into a fight with a homeless guy when we were street performing one time. Uh-huh. And um, we were just minding our own business, street performing in Brooklyn. And this homeless dude, who looked like he'd never seen a crack pipe he didn't like, comes up to, you know, May said something to him. He didn't like it, and the next thing I know, he's screaming at her, threatening to kill her. And I just ran, and he's running after me, and he's screaming at me. Okay. But then, the weirdest incident I had was at the Republican National Convention. I was a spokesperson for STAT, and Donald J. Trump was the spokes puppet. And so we're performing in Cleveland's public square. Okay. And this guy comes up. He's got a handlebar mustache and a cowboy hat. And Ohio's an open carry state, you know? Yes. And uh, and so anyway, he comes up and he goes, why do you hate Donald Trump? And I said, I don't hate anybody. I just dislike his policy because I wanted to stick to the talking Right, exactly. They given me. And so he looks at the puppet and goes, little man, why do you hate Trump? And he's, and he's like, st- he starts interrogating my puppet. <laughs> and meanwhile, like, real, you know? And it's just like, you know, your family's not as, your family tree's not a straight line at all, sir. <laughs> um, and so my, my manager's with me, he's sort of acting as my handler because he's been a cop. Okay. And he's looking for a cop and as soon as he sees him talking to the puppet like it's real, my manager and this cop like start laughing. Yeah, I would be too. Now, on the uh, what would you do with John Quinones? There were people approaching you, 
that didn't realize it was a TV program and they were, they were yelling at you and you made a line in there going, it's not me, it's her. And Mm -hmm. does, whenever you say that, does, does it deflect the criticism from you back onto May or the, or Donald J. Trump or whoever it may be just, I mean, does it confuse them or is that your way of dealing with a, with a situation like that? It's just, it's just my way of trying to diffuse the situation. And that's the beauty of that is an art form. It's yes. a puppet can get away with murder. Right. Like, it can get away with verbal murder. One of my favorite ventriloquist acts of all time is a duo by the name of Otto and George. And, um, and I always loved them because George would do this bit, and you have to look it up online, it was the JFK assassination. It was so wrong. Okay. But no human comedian could have gotten away with that. But... And, but George was it. But Otto and George were heroes among comics, and and um, as a matter of fact, I I always loved just seeing what he would do. And but this, but George was so foul mouthed; it was awesome. <laughs> but Otto was the most soft, fucking sweetest guy in the world, uh-huh. and so it worked. And that's the beauty of ventriloquism. So. But I thought the one guy on What Would You Do was going to deck me. Yeah. So how did you get that job? What Would You Do? Yeah. I auditioned for it because they were looking for a ventriloquist. Okay. And every ventriloquist and their mother actually came to audition for that job. And so when I got it, I was shocked because I didn't say that I was on hold for it. Mm-hmm. And on hold basically means, you know, send us your avail, we'll let you know. Don't right. call us, call you. Right. <laughs> and so anyway, it was between me and several others, and so they had the man and the woman ventriloquist, and the guy by was was a guy by the name of John Tizzy, who is the hardest working man in show business. John is always working. Okay. Like, I've never seen that man not in course to a gig. As a matter of fact. He left the taping that day and went straight to a gig afterwards. So when you when you do an audition like that, do you come you come in with stuff prepared, or do they tell you what they want, or or how do you go about doing it? Well, they told us they wanted a snarky ventriloquist, and so I I just I tried to. They said just pretend like you're performing for people on the street and sort of roast them, and I did. Okay. So, well, they did rather. Right. Because you, the what, the one uh, that I saw is you were really ridiculing a homeless woman that was on a bench, and I guess that's why everybody was getting offended with you because May was getting very um, aggressive towards that that woman. Yes, um, and actually, this is the funny thing: the woman was an actor. Yes, and she'd taken a car that morning from the Upper East Side, I believe. Which is the most bourgeois thing to do. <laughs> now, where was that filmed at? It was filmed by the South Street Seaport. Okay, and that was in New York? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, For some reason, I wasn't able to place where that was done at. Now, you've been doing ventriloquism basically for, what, 20 years now? Yes, 20 years so you've been doing it for 20 years now, and 
do you see yourself doing it for another 20 or are you going to look into do more more comedy or is your ventriloquism slash comedy going to be your routine? Well, I want to do everything because okay. I think the ventriloquism is my ticket to the dance. Okay. It's what gets me in the door. Because of ventriloquism, I've gotten attention for my writing um, because I actually wrote a book on being a singing telegrammer. I yeah. came, I saw, I sang. Yes. Memoirs of a singing telegram delivery girl. And because of my TV appearances as a ventriloquist, I have people in Hollywood that want to auction my book right now. Oh, interesting. And, and yeah, what, because they're like, what would they're they, like, oh, she's the one with the puppets. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, me. <laughs> so what would they do with it if they're going to option? TV program, movie, what, miniseries, whatever? Well, they're, talk, they're talking um, a miniseries, right? They're talking a TV series right now, and they're also talking a movie. So, you know, nothing's actually in stone right now, but, you know, people, you know, they want to know what else I do. And I wait. I'd have to say that I'm a better writer than anything. Like I've become a decent ventriloquist. Okay. I've become a decent actor, but I'm a, I'm a, but I can write. I've I've been writing longer than I've been doing anything. I've been writing since I've been seven years old. Right. So, um, and my mom still has my sto- my original stories. I wish she'd burn them. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, is that it because people like and. And I remember somebody saw my book, and they saw, and they're like, "Oh yeah, she's the one with the puppets." Okay. They don't know my name, but they know but they you're... know I have puppets. And they actually know my puppets' names, but not mine. <laughs> <laughs> so you you said your your parents teach. What do they teach? Well, my mom taught physical education and health for years. Okay. And my dad actually he was a lawyer, but. He taught um, taxation. He taught in the MBA program at Robert Morris. Oh, really? Interesting. And, yeah. And a little bit of disclosure: I also teach, and I teach communications on the high school level. So I know. Oh, I, I teach uh, south of Uniontown. I teach at Albert Gallatin, and I've been doing it for twenty years. I left radio and found a real job. Is what I did, and then I do this oh. uh, this on my. My, as everybody says, my free time, but I don't have any free time anymore. But the thing I think is interesting is you talk about it. I have a son who's 18 years old who is a musical theater major right now. And that's the avenue he wants to go down. He wants to be a performer. And I was wondering, what did, what's that? Where's he in school? He's at California University of Pennsylvania, received a full scholarship to go there to study theater. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. You must be proud, Dad. Uh, extremely proud, and my pocketbook's proud, too. Uh, my wallet's very happy. Uh, <laughs> so, But what for, for a young performer starting out, what advice would you have for them? The advice that I'd have is enjoy the journey, because you never know where it's going to take you. And what I mean is, when I moved to New York initially, I wanted to be a classical actress. I know that sounds crazy. But, and I still love doing Shakespeare. As a matter of fact, I'm going to try to do a Shakespeare instructor course because I think he's the greatest writer ever. And, but I thought, you know, I had the puppets, I was passionate about them, but ventriloquism kept finding me, and then comedy sort of found me. And then I started to do stuff with writing, and 
I would have to say that the career that I have now is better than anything that they've ever designed for myself. Okay. That's the first thing, is be open to where the journey takes you. And the second piece of advice is don't give up, because this is a very tough career. And people are always going to tell you no. So don't give up. And the third is really get to know your craft and get to know story. Because um, just get to know craft and get to know story. Because your love of craft is what's going to just keep you, like, it's going to keep driving you on every project. And it's going to keep you loving it. Which makes a lot of sense. Uh, you're listening to WMCK.FM in McKeesport, and we're talking to April Bruckner, a ventriloquist and a comedian, or should we say comedian ventriloquist, or just call you a ventriloquist? It's up to you. Well, just call me whatever you want. Okay, we'll that? call you April. How's that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so are you an only child, or is there other, uh, other siblings? I have an older brother and a younger sister. Do they claim credit to you? Oh, it depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> so when you do, you're, like you said, the singing telegram is, is, uh, is, is basically your fallback. How often do you perform at comedy clubs and stuff like that? I'm there several nights a week. Oh, okay. They said I'm always working, so. And what, I mean, are these, I mean, the big thing that everybody's comparing, comparing comedy clubs to right now is most people have seen the Amazon Prime series, um, the the marvelous Miss Maisel, and are those if you've seen it or not? What is the 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 night like? Are you the only performers or group of performers? How does that work out? Are you the yes, headliner? Um, and the, I've been the headliner on the road. I've been the headliner in New York City. Um, I do consider myself a headlining act, but um, and and I've even headlined once in Vegas, which was neat. But then there are other nights where I'm one of, like, a gazillion performers on a lineup. Okay. And there have been nights where there have been 30 different performers where one club show leads into another. So it's always very different. Do you enjoy doing that type of performing? Or do you rather just, I mean, the, the um, either the, the headliner, do you enjoy doing that more than you do the ensemble work with there's a lot of performers that evening? Which would you rather do? Oh, well, I like doing both. Okay. And I know that that sounds like a cop-out, but I love the um, I love being part of a larger show sometimes because my act is very different. Okay. Um, and not to say that it, it's better or worse. It's just different. And so I might help break up a night. But then and I get to meet a lot of great talent. But on the flip side, too, I like headlining because... When I walk in the club, everybody's nice to you when you're the headliner, and they all want to impress you. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's like I'm the, It's like I'm like I'm Jake Riley in Sixteen Candles. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reference. Unless you're old enough, you don't know what you're what you mean by that. Um, so how Look often? Look it up if you're not old enough. <laughs> it'll change your life. <laughs> how often have you performed in Vegas? How often? Whenever I'm there, which um, I'm there every few months. So. Okay. Um, which Vegas, Vegas is a nice town. Um, they're nice people. It's very different than New York. I was walking down the street and somebody said hello to me. And I'm sure that would be different than than New York. So have you performed? Yes. Have you performed in Pittsburgh? 
Yeah, I actually did a show at the Funny Bone in Cranberry a few years ago. And do you come back on a regular basis, or, I mean, is it far and few between? I'm semi-regular. I came back um, I came back when my sister had her baby shower. I have a niece now. Okay. I came back to see my parents at Christmas. Um, I come back for things like that. Do you have anything in the in the horizon that you will be having uh, coming up in the near future? Yes, um, in Pittsburgh, just in general. Um, in general. Yes, as a matter of fact, I'm acting again because the because the doors are opening there, and I'm currently in the New York Mob Show. I did see that. Yes, you're wearing a black wig, if I remember correctly. Yes, every Saturday in Times Square. And what does that entail? It's a murder mystery dinner theater. It's the longest-running murder mystery dinner theater show in New York City. It's sort of a cultural staple. Okay. And it's a dinner, and it's a dinner party because the mob boss preceding them got killed. But it's a family gathering, and the widow's still in mourning. And all of a sudden, you know, the new mob boss is being christened. There's a gunshot, and it's a whodunit. But it's the dinner party. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing that, and then I'm also obviously performing with Donald J. Tramp, and um, and then you know, and guys, buy my book. I came, I saw, I sang, and you know, I'm just doing the do, baby. Yeah, and, and are, are, do you have a show going to be in the Pittsburgh area soon, or is that still uh, only whenever you have situations when you come back? Only when I have situations when I come back, but I would love to do a show in the Pittsburgh area. I'd love to be, you know, I love Pittsburghers because, honest to God, I've been to a lot of places. I've met a lot of people, and there's nobody like Steel City people. And, yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, so we know that, that he, he should be have gotten over the jet lag by now, but is Donald J. Tramp there? Hello, this is Donald J. Trump, President. What can I do for you? So, Donald, how did everything go in Vietnam? Vietnam? You see, I, well, can I tell you why, you know, can I tell you why Vietnam, the, the Vietnam War was successful? Why? Because I didn't go. <laughs> oh. I, I know. But bo- everything went well in Vietnam. Yeah, everything I, went well. You know. That guy saying that, you know, and I believe him, you know, when he said that he didn't know that kid was being tortured. Right. Just like the, Ru- just like the whole Russian probe. I didn't know about that either. <laughs> so, Mr. so. Mr. Tramp, are your fingers and toes crossed? I have to ask. Shut up, girl. Go on. <laughs> so, when you were in Vietnam, we understand that your meeting did not go over as well as you anticipated. Um, is there a reason why? Yes, that fat bastard kept stealing my food. <laughs> we also heard that he was actually texting Putin, and he was actually sending him love notes while he was there. Is that true? Listen, okay, you know it's getting a little it's getting a little hard to explain, but I love Vladimir Putin, and he refers to me as his puppet. <laughs> I, I I I can see why. Yes. Yes. And when you came back to the United States today, I understand when you were in Alaska, 
uh, you were you were finally finding out what uh, your former attorney Michael Cohen was saying. How do you feel about uh, Cohen's testimony before the uh, Congress yesterday? Listen, I put that bitch in the garden book, okay? <laughs> and, and, and I mean, are, were you close with him, or is he someone you didn't really know, like uh, Paul Manafort? Listen, I put that bitch in the garden book, and that's all you gotta know. The oh. garden book, the uh. garden book, Mister Tramp. That's a Mean Girls reference. Yes, he's in the garden book. He's dead to me. <laughs> so, sto- he's still uninvited. Uh, so Stormy Daniels, um, did you actually have an affair with her after your wife gave birth to your, uh, son? Listen, I'll say this about Stormy Daniels. You see, since this storm broke, she's selling books, she's making corn. I'm about job creation. <laughs> you, you, you take, you take the little people and you help build them up. Is that right? Yes, I take the little people and I help build them up. This is why I hire midgets only. <laughs> uh, so, Donald, what do you plan for the 2020 campaign? I plan to win because we're supposed to be sick of this winning. I'm going to win. That's what I plan on doing. So is Mike Pence going to be your vice president? Are you going to finally uh, let him go? Loser! You see, this is what I'm going to do. As far as my vice president goes, I don't want my tent. His wife, she's a circus tent. Actually, Mr. President, she's lost weight. Now she's a pillowcase. <laughs> Whenever I get scared, I crawl up in there and I get nice and warm. That was the vice president. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh... Shut up. Did I, I didn't say that you could talk. Night and day. Go uh, on, go on through. It, it 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 must be it must be awful to to be in the same house with them. I can't imagine them getting along. They don't. They don't. So wait, so, wait, so, wait, so yes. So, so, so I got to ask you this: How are the women in Pittsburgh? Have you ever grown Jenny by the pussy? No, I have not. And I well, can sometimes on- you got to grab her by the pussy. <laughs> So, but I'm a gentleman. I take her furniture shopping first. That's uh, what I recommend. Oh, really? Okay, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So, um, when when you come up with these routines, do you actually pull the stuff out of the news, April, or do you uh, just see wherever the mood takes you that night? Well, it's not a routine. This is who I actually am. Okay, not Mr. President. He was talking to me. He was talking to me. Um, he writes himself. Okay. Like the actual president does. The actual president writes himself, yes, too. Yes. yes. The actual president writes himself, yes. <laughs> um, and and uh, I just lost my train of thought there. Um, when you use the president, I know it's very controversial right now, but it's pretty much accepted, no matter what club you're in right now, that you can do it. Do you get... Um, a positive feedback from Trump supporters or negative feedback, whatever it is, because you're making fun of the president or do they understand it's just in, it's just good humor. Well, I've had Trump supporters try to 
I've, I've had Trump supporters who um, they've, they've walked out of my shows. Okay. Yeah, and they said, bleep this, bleep, and I don't want to say the words because that, you know, we're on terrestrial radio, right. obviously. But um, they they walked out. I've had Trump supporters walk out. But then I've had some anti-Trump people who couldn't stand the sight of him because they took him to a Hillary rally. And these women and these little girls just started punching him. They... <laughs> I think it's amazing how a puppet can take on a life of its own and people believe it. Yeah, oh yeah, like this one, and then I was in Cleveland and Black Lives Matter was there, and I love Black Lives Matter. I think that they're one of the most important movements we have right now, and this young woman was there, and she was quite a speaker, and she was with Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. and she goes, I want to, she said, I wanted to do this. When I saw him, she goes, can I deck him? (laughs) <laughs> and she was very petite, but she had this right hook. And and then I just did a show in a nursing home with him. And to give you an idea, this audience was semi-comatose. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I brought him out. I said, anybody want to ask the president anything? All these old people woke up, and this one goes, yeah, when are you going to release your tax return? The other said, what are you going to do for the poor people? The third one was like, when are you going to get the hell out of there? <laughs> the other one goes, why don't you just go away? <laughs> and so and so I said, who wants to punch the president? And all of a sudden, this woman punches him. And all these old people start punching him. And I was like, if I knew this worked, I would have had you guys do this sooner. That's funny. Um, I, I think you have a marketing tool right now. Come beat up the president. I mean, that. <laughs> Yeah, but that, but that, but that, but it's like between the between these between these women at the Hillary rally, that young woman with Black Lives Matter, and these old people, it's like you never know who's got a right hook. Right, right. So if okay, so say if the election would have went in the other direction and it would have been Hillary that won, would you be poking fun at Hillary right now? Probably. Okay. But she's not as entertaining as Donald Trump is, though. Right. I, I, Hillary Clinton is in my show. Would you like to talk to her? Sure, I'd love to. Hello, this is Hillary Clifton. So, Madam Secretary, how are you doing this evening? Well, not good now that Donald's in office. Well, I don't know how much longer that's going to be, though, so you may be seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. I hope so, because, you know, I was president for eight years. Okay, eight whole years. All right. Right. I told my I told my husband, "Here's fifty dollars. Take the intern out. <laughs> Get out of my hair. I got work to do." So, who do you think was running the country during that time? Oh, huh? It was my turn to update my LinkedIn profile. I gotcha. That makes sense. So, are you planning on running in 2020? Yes, I'm going to run, and I'm going to lead him. And I've been training every day because it's my turn. So how how are you training every day to be to beat Donald J. Trump? You know that husband of mine. Yes. I'm locking him in a cage so he can't come out. Okay. And how's that getting My you? My daughter. To... Chelsea. So, yes. You know, they, yeah, and I'm telling my daughter, you know, don't say too much. I'm on the campaign trail. I don't know either one of you. <laughs> 
So if you would get in the White House, would you make your family part of your president, part of your administration? As I said, I've been president for eight whole years before, and my husband was just delayed on my ankle, so no. Okay. Because we've seen what Donald has done with his family. Like, it, it, he has no qualified people there. He just has family members. Yes. But here's the difference. My family members are qualified. I understand that. I do. So if you don't run for president, who do you think the Democrats are going to put out there as their lead candidate? Nobody that's important. I'm running. <laughs> You're it. You're it. Who do you think your um, v- your vice president will be then? Let's see. My vice president won't be Tim Kaine. Not much right now. Which was a mistake to begin with, yes. Yes, my vice president will be... Dun-dun-dun. My vice president, you know what the heck. I'll let my husband do it. That would be the first, I think, that a president would be the VP. I thought you were going to say better work from Texas. I mean, he'd be a perfect candidate. Yeah, yeah. You know, I might change my mind. I changed my mind about everything. I changed my mind about locking my husband in the closet earlier in this conversation. I changed my mind all the time. I'm a woman. So, so so, So are you still using your own personal email server? Go to www.hillaryclifton.com for more information on that. Okay, sounds good. So, April, what do you have coming up next? And and thank you very much, Madam uh, Secretary. I appreciate the conversation. So, April, what do you have coming up thank next? Thank you, thank you. What do you have uh, coming up? New York Mob Show. Okay. Come to the New York Mob Show and go to www.aprilbroker.tv for more updates. That sounds great. April, I had a good time. Thank you very much. Thank you. And whenever that whenever that book becomes a movie or a TV program, I'd love to have you back on the show again. Absolutely, and I would love to come back on. Thank you. So, April, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me this evening. And before we leave, is there anything you want? Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, everybody. April, www.aprilbroker.tv and Pittsburgh, I love you. Go Steelers. Sounds good, April. Thank you very much, and you have a great night, and we'll talk to you again in the near future. Okie doke. Thank you very much, April. April Brooker, ventriloquist comedian in uh, on online with yours truly, Bill Alexander tonight. Had a really nice time. Hope you enjoyed the show, too. And uh, April has been doing, um, like we said, uh, stuff in the area, um, in New York and in Vegas and doesn't come back to Pittsburgh as often as she probably should. But, uh, <laughs> when she comes back, we'll let you know. Anyhow, yours truly Bill Alexander with you. Next week, we have an author on the program, VR craft and dealing with the president again. And he's dealing with a book, um, dealing with, let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. Um, about the, uh, so I can I gotta turn the gotta turn the electronic device on so I can actually read it. I've been reading the book for the last few days. And it what it's basically about is a instead of having an election, we use a TV game show, a reality show, to pick our next president. Very interesting concept. It sounds familiar like we've done this before, but let me pull up the title of the book for you so you know, and we'll be talking to him next week. Um here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. As we uh, go ahead 
And where are we at here? That's not it. We'll get it. Trust me. Doing TV, radio, and everything else at the same time is really difficult. And my app's not opening. Here we go. We're going. We're going. We're not going. Anyway. Well, oh, yeah. Here it is. Uh, we will be talking to VR Craft next week. And the name of the book is... Oh, it's one of them out there. Stay tuned to the... Pro- oh, wait. We'll get there. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> There's going to be closing music here real quick. But uh, we're going to... There we go. It's called Fail to the Chief, and we'll be on with VR Craft next week. Here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time. Well, I'm tired, and I gotta go home. I'm tired, and I gotta go home. My baby told me she's gonna set me free if I don't hurry back home. So I better be on my way. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. At Pluralsight, they believe everyone should have the opportunity to create progress through technology. Pluralsight is a tech workforce development company that provides the solutions that high-performing engineering teams need to tackle today's biggest challenges. Whether you need to build the skills, individuals, and teams to tackle mission-critical projects, drive cloud transformation, or help software teams ship reliable, scalable, and secure code, you can harness the collective power of hindsight, foresight, and insight with Pluralsight. Check them out today at pluralsight.com slash vision.